Hi, welcome to the ProGrace podcast, where we're having new conversations about abortion. Um, We are actually doing a special brief little season today because we're right in the midst of the political battle. It's election season. It's actually September 30th as we record this. And I'm here with uh, Denise Stein, COO of ProGrace. Hi, everybody. And Lacey Mason, who you may have heard in a previous podcast as um, the one who did all the research for us and now is the Director of Program Experience with ProGrace. So welcome back, Lacey. Thank you. And then Krista Michelli, who we're introducing this morning. She's the Director of Marketing for ProGrace. Hello, hello. So glad to have you guys. So um, it's actually our first remote podcast because it's also the midst of COVID. This is 2020. Here we are. (laughs) It's been a wild ride. So this podcast today is just for us to have an authentic conversation, the four of us, of what it's like to be Christians wrestling with trying to find God's heart in the abortion issue in the midst of an election season and now actually in the midst of a potential Supreme Court nomination. All of that Mm. is swirling right now. And last night was the first presidential debate. And here we are having this conversation, wanting it to be one of authenticity, hope, um, even challenging ourselves and really listening to God, what kind of conversations can we be having? So um, where do we jump in, ladies? Oh, actually, we have a funny about Denise. Can we start with that? Oh, wait a second. You didn't tell me this. What? What's I my never funny? do because that makes it funny. So you, everybody knows that Denise gets her idioms mixed up, mixed up. And so, nothing's changed in 2020 with COVID. I still do it. I still do it. Well, what did were, I do this time? Well, you were being so, she was having a bit of a debate with one of her daughters, her adult daughters, and being really profound and serious. And as she was closing... What she was saying, she said, Claire? I, I said, Claire, I rest my point. Exactly. <laughs> so that's what we're doing today, guys. We're going to speak and then say that to each other. Okay, Lacey and Krista, we'll rest our points. <laughs> right. When you're done, you say, I rest my point. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> so I think a good place to start is where we were started when we were talking that we just want to acknowledge the feeling of tiredness about this. We care about the issue of abortion so much. Obviously, we're all working in this space. We're dedicating ourselves to the women and children, um, trying to engage the church in this. And this season feels exhausting. Um, Not that God isn't doing great things, and, and we'll talk about that, but we just want to acknowledge how it feels to this back and forth of all the political talk around it. Um, And just some of the tiredness and frustration with that. Yeah, I think for me, um, some of a a lot of the exhaustion comes from the fact that we're putting so much attention on um, the the policy, the law, the impact on the Supreme Court. Um, all of those things. And it's not to say that those things are not important. They obviously are and and they impact um, so, so many lives. But it's exhausting for me because I just, I know it to be true that that's just only one small part of the story in terms of how um, 
unintended pregnancy and abortion impact people's lives and, and what it's like for women who uh, walk through this experience. Um, and uh, I think I get really exhausted because I, I feel like in many ways um, the the church tends to get really distracted <laughs> with that aspect of it. Um, and we, it, it pulls our focus and our attention away from uh, the realities of, of what it's like for people who are really going through this and, and, and their needs. And, and I, I feel like that is uh, a place that's of primary importance to Jesus, you know, that he is in the experience with a woman who is going through this. Um, and it's important that we pay attention to that. And so I think I'm feeling exhausted right now because uh, (laughs) all so much of the focus and the attention is being pulled away from the uh, individual experience of what it's like for people as they go through this Mm -hmm. and being, you know, directed and channeled so much at the law and the policy and, and the, uh, you know, Supreme Court and, and all of that. Yeah. Let's actually talk about that. We can all kind of participate in this. But there's this thing that happens, I think, with, I don't know if it's just politics. It can happen maybe in other things. But when we see something as an issue, or it's just like a group of people that's out there, it's very easy to stereotype, right? Demonize. And, and we all do this, regardless <laughs> of our faith background or our party affiliation. This is just a sad part of the human condition that we have this tendency. And Lacey, you bring up a great point. The thing that breaks that and challenges that is when we know someone from quote unquote, the other side or who's experienced this. And so I think even let's just take a few minutes to talk about how does it impact each of us when we think about what it's like for a woman facing an unintended pregnancy, even how she might receive some of what the back and forth of the political, like, let's just talk about these women, you know, and, and the, the children that this impacts too, like, how does this hit you the more you've learned what it's really like for people walking through this? I'll say even um, with Lacey's research um, and really prior to coming on board with, on board with you guys, I, I don't think I thought critically about this issue. I just kind of knew that as a Christian this is what we're supposed to believe. But as a, as a woman, as a person, I also felt like the other side of the the coin helped kind of round out the story for me. So then I didn't know where I belonged. I felt like a little bit lost (laughs) in where I stood on the issue politically, um, because to your language, um, neither side of it told the full story, but I didn't know what questions to ask to fill in the gaps for myself. And I think the thing that makes me so exhausted now is how easily it is for a woman who is facing an unintended pregnancy, or even those of us who are living in communities who know that there are women who don't feel safe having a conversation knowing that she has been kind of tossed around as a project or as a a policy, not as a person. And the questions that are in the research that are just so devastating lead us to really put ourselves in her shoes. 
what's it like to to face something you weren't planning on? You know, the research that Lacey did shows it's it's like getting a a, a notice that you are terminally ill. Mm. Yeah. Um, like your life is over. And I'm like, I've felt that before, not in this particular circumstance, but I have felt that before. And the idea that it's being debated and that I can't, I can't even go to my church because it's so, um, I guess, such a heightened issue. Like, where is the safe place to go where I, I'm not going to be judged or someone doesn't have a motive or I'm not a political pawn? Like, yeah. And then I have to make a decision isolated on something that feels so devastating. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's hard for me because I, I especially think in... COVID, we've all experienced some sort of disorientation where, you know, something has happened to us collectively as a human race that we can identify with shame and isolation. And to, to make that a talking point and not a call to service um, because of our shared suffering, I think is, that's the hardest part for me. Yeah, what I always go back to um, when we, you know, and especially now as as the the politics of this are really raging, is Angie the um, the picture that we had that's on our video of you know the two sides kind of going back and forth of this policy is right, no, this policy is right, and you know this is for the baby, no, this is for the woman. And they're up at the top of the cliff, but the woman and the child are at the bottom of the cliff alone. Um, yeah. Without support, without uh, the understanding of the full story of what has gone on in their lives um, and what has led them to this point in time of uh, trying to make this very, very difficult decision. and And then what centers me is always just asking the question, where would Jesus be? Um, and where would you be, Jesus? And what are you calling us as believers in you to do? And and yes, we can't ignore, obviously, the politics or voting or our uh, views or, or what we believe is right. But where are you? And, and teach us to be where you are yeah. in this in this yeah. issue. Yeah, and you know what, Denise, I, you just said something. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Andy. No, you go ahead, Krista, and then I'll follow up. I was going to say, you just said something that really, it was actually really comforting, and, and I think our post-debate exhaustion <laughs> is, you know, there's a lot of, what are we against? We're against yeah. Roe v. Wade. We're against this. We're against that. And I'm like, yeah, but who are we for? Mm. When, you, when you talk about who's, you know, the two cliffs, I love that imagery. Yeah. Um, the two cliffs and then the women and the children kind of like in the bottom of the chasm. It's like, but who, who are we saying we're for? And Jesus always said who is for, mm. um, I made it very clear. And I think that's something that we have a responsibility to honor that side of, you know, the conversation that Jesus always had, yeah. but with action and with words. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And what I was going to say goes along with that. So here's this tension I feel, and I'd, I'd love to talk about both sides of this. So, on the one hand, I feel privileged to live in a country where my vote matters so much. I take it very seriously to pray about and engage and, and 
and vote and, and get involved where I can. At the same time, I am a citizen of another kingdom, and I believe that that kingdom, the way that's represented, will never be captured in either political party, right? So I have this tension. And it reminds me of a quote by Leslie Newbigin, and he he said this maybe 60 years ago, and he said, you know, as our world becomes less um, focused on God or their faith journeys, politics will become more and more important as a place of where we put our hope and our purpose. And I think I'd like to have the discussion first about even as Christians, how do we put our eyes back on Jesus um, so that he retains primary place for us? Um, And then I would like to close up by talking about, you know, how we get involved in, in policy and all that. But I think it's interesting that this is my perception. You guys can speak to this. Even Christians are falling into that kind of prophetic quote by Leslie Newbigin that there's more and more importance put on the political outcome. And are we really having faith that God has a bigger answer than that and he can move and he wants his kingdom to come on earth? Like what's going on with that and how can we as Christians kind of get back to that, which is what the early church did, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think I'm guilty specifically of not having a a good rhythm. Like I, I've adapted to the rhythm of a constant barrage of <laughs> messages and um, I guess just rhetoric. It's coming at us so fast. Mm-hmm. It feels so screamy mm-hmm. on every side and you feel like you have to respond to it. Yeah. And you know, Jesus, we did, we did that exercise a couple weeks ago where all of us, you know, envision Jesus walking into the room and all of us had the same like hurried response of like, do something, wake everyone up. And he just like plopped on the chair next to us. And we're like, are you serious? Isn't that funny? All three what? of us had that. Yeah. What? Like he was so chill. Why are you so casual? <laughs> like, the the world is on fire. <laughs> right. um, and Jesus is like, can you pass me the chips? Like, it's, right. You know, I I do think that there's a bit of a reorienting our own soul rhythm that we've just gotten wrapped up into the rapid fire reaction instead of the like slow methodical pace of, you know, the Jesus revolution mm-hmm. that really yeah. requires us to act and show up and sit in the messy with people, not, you know, turn away from it and run and you know all of that so I think I think yes we have civic duties and I think on top of that we have an obligation as Christians to get back to the basics and and I would argue that a lot of us say we're Christians um and and I don't think we know what that means anymore Mm. yeah that's Krista a really good point and and I think we we sometimes in the, you know, in the everyday stress of all this, and again, trying to make the right decision politically, and like you say, the the constant barrage of info coming at us and meeting, we forget that Jesus has clearly given us the way. We don't have to um, work really hard to try to figure it out. It, it's, it's so there, but uh, in the gospels, he's just, he's made it so clear um, what he's calling us to do. But I think 
it, it's easy for us to take our eyes off of it. And so I guess that's um, that's my biggest question is, as Angie said, how do we stay engaged? Of course, we uh, we want to stay engaged in in politics and and vote as um, you know, as we have the ability to do in in our country, and that's you know a very important thing to do. But how do we stay engaged in that yet keep our eyes clearly on Jesus and His way? Well, and Lacey's getting her master's in spiritual formation, so I'm gonna <laughs> ask you specifically, Lacey. What do you think? You know, what have what have you seen that is working for Christians? Um, I, I really do think there's a growing movement of us who are trying to be formed and and the the sitting still. But what are some practical tips for people, even in the midst of all the chaos, like Kristen and Denise were talking about? How do we center ourselves? Yeah, I. One of the things that comes. To my mind, as we're talking about all of the noise, there's just so much noise and and so many voices right now. Um, And the image that is consistent throughout the Bible in talking about God and then talking about Jesus is the image of a shepherd. And the way that uh, I don't know that much about shepherding sheep. You don't? You live in but, LA. You don't uh, <laughs> live all the time? <laughs> my understanding is at that time uh, that the sheep, uh, when they were you know, turned out at night, would different flocks would mix in with each other. Uh, but in the morning, when the shepherds would come to separate the flocks, they would call out to the sheep and the sheep had become so accustomed to their shepherds that they would identify the sound of their voice and they mm-hmm. would they would move to their own shepherds based on the sound of the voice um, because they knew that voice so well. And I think practically speaking, what we need to do and what we're called to do is is today know the voice of our shepherd so well that we hear that voice over every other voice. And I think we've lost that sense of intimacy. Um, I think there's, that requires time. It requires attention. It requires putting effort towards our discipleship. Um, Dallas Willard talks about how, uh, um, you know, we don't, we don't seek to earn anything from God, but that's not the same thing as putting effort <laughs> towards our relationship with him. And, uh, just like any other relationship in our life, the more time we spend, the more effort we put into that relationship and intentionality, the closer we become to, you know, the other party in that relationship. And so I think the where we become vulnerable is to put that time and attention and focus towards other things in life. Um, and it's making it hard for us to discern the voice of Christ. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's making it hard for us to listen. God is very mannerly 
and usually doesn't shout at us and demand attention. And one of the ways that we have to engage with him is for us to become very, very quiet in order for us to hear his voice. Um, And everything's so loud right now. And life is so fast. And we have so many distractions that we're, we're losing the margin and the capacity to quiet ourselves, quiet the voices around us and really listen to the voice of God. And I think it's making it, it's causing us to confuse voices. You know, we, we get distracted by the loudest political voices or the ones that feel like they're most aligned with how we think we're supposed to approach issues or or policies or concerns. Um, But is it really the voice of God? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think for me, I was just going to say, it's reminding me of my personal journey. Um, I couldn't make space for that until I realized that his voice was going to come with love and Mm -hmm. grace and mercy. And I think sometimes the need uh, even to watch political, at least it reminds me of the research you did. Like sometimes we like to watch things that make us feel better about ourselves. Like my life is chaos and I don't feel good about myself, but at least I'm not as bad as that. Right. And there's Mm -hmm. this kind of projecting. And I think that first as Christians, you know, this is why this is so much a part of pro grace is to really understand that God loves us. (laughs) There's grace for all our mistakes. That to me is the thing that helps me calm down and be able to spend time with him. I think, think sometimes we're afraid that if we just stop, will we hear a voice of condemnation? And that's what we see in the political, right? The shame, the condemnation. Mm-hmm. And just to reassure us as believers that, no, he loves us. If we just take the time for him to show up, he'll surprise us with that. Um, for me, at least, that's what's made the difference. Yeah, and I just want to say... Andy, oh, go ahead, Denise. Oh, I, I just wanted to say that... Um, I love the journey that we're on as the ProGrace team because obviously we're all learning and growing, and um, but we're digging deeper into this together as a staff because we we so want to make sure that as we move ProGrace forward, we are doing it based on our connection and anchor with Christ. So we're spending more time in those practices and really trying to listen and learn, really learn how to listen to the voice of God. And, and I think as I've been doing that, um, I think what he's been teaching me is more and more about what my responsibility is in this space and, and, and to understand is my responsibility to end abortion? to to stop it legally or is my responsibility to open my hands and and heart and care for the widows and orphans of our day and to embrace them and engage them and help them um to see Jesus and to be able to have hope uh and to thrive in their lives and have their child lives thrive and and again as as we together are um really listening to his voice i think he's he's showing us uh what he's really calling us to do and there's such freedom in that because then we're not feeling the burden and the responsibility of something that isn't ours to own right 
And I want to hear what Krista says, but first, Denise, it's your responsibility to hold out your microphone. Was that your microphone? Somebody's microphone. Oh, I is- am. <laughs> I am holding out my microphone. microphone. Was it? So, was I don't it, know. Um, Listen, there's no shame. It's grace, but somebody's microphone is clicking. So we're sorry, listeners. Oh, we're I'm on mute. We're so. all remote. Okay. We're all remote trying to figure this I'm out. I'm sure it's mine because I'm always <laughs> technically challenged, but I'm holding it so carefully. <laughs> okay. I'm trying so hard, okay. everybody. Okay. We trust you. Yes, Krista, you were going to say something. Well, I mean, everything Denise said, uh, even the practice of what our team does to get centered and really reorient ourselves to the root of why we do what we do, um, even every staff meeting. For me personally, as I listen to our team, I think, what a gift for someone like me who runs pretty hot and has a lot of opinions to really learn the practice and discipline of um, knowing where that comes from. Like, are my opinions really the opinions of Jesus or Mm -hmm. am I just responding to the noise? And I think something that we always come back to is the compassion piece. And Lacey, when you were talking, I just kept thinking, compassion is to suffer with. And then the question, if you know that as a follower of Jesus is who am I suffering with right now? And I think we're so uninterested in being uncomfortable that a lot of the rhetoric, I think from every side and from, from our faith communities is to do whatever we can to stay comfortable um, and I don't think it's blatant. I don't think we could like come out and say that, but I, I think our actions insulate us and keep us in this zone where if I was on the outside looking in, that's what I would think. I would think as someone who's suffering, like who is with me? Because I heard Jesus would be with me. And there's all these churches on my street. <laughs> like who is, who is with me? in my suffering. And that's something I just, I'm really convicted of because we can do, we can stand up for things and we can fight against things. But at the end of the day, if we're not actually committed to suffering with other people and getting uncomfortable, um, I don't know that we're doing the, the right work. And that's yeah, the that's, picture of the uh, Gospels. That's I don't the know. Gospels. I mean, that's what yeah. he did. If you wa- if we just read how he lived, and even when they tried to engage him, right, in these political debacles, you know, it was always about the person, and he had a wisdom from above, and yeah, just spending time with him so we can be more like that. Yeah, I was going to say that, Krista, that, you know, that's just the human condition, isn't it? That we lean toward comfort. I mean, and I'm totally, I like just to be comfortable. guilty of it as the next person. And so that's where it's just yep. like daily, like, Lord, help me out of that. <laughs> uh, help me to take a risk with you. Help me to lean into something that is gray or not clear. And, and again, that's where we have to hear the shepherd's voice, as Lacey said, where we're just going to it it's just <laughs> you take your eyes off Jesus and you go back to comfort. You know what I mean? Eyes off Jesus, yeah. back to fear. Eyes off of Jesus, back to you know 
bias or whatever. So, um, we're, uh, we're back to just not being curious. Yeah. Not, I mean, again, I'm super guilty of that with this particular issue of abortion where I didn't know the questions to ask to become more aware of the suffering of people in this experience. Mm -hmm. It wasn't something I dug for because I was like, oh, there's like a million other things I can focus on. And this one just feels way too messy as a Christian in America. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I'm just not interested. Yeah. Um, and the curiosity piece, I think, is huge. And, and being open to the fact that maybe the reason it's so messy is because we don't want to be aware of our own suffering and our mm -hmm. own shame. Because, mm -hmm. um, man, once you sit in it with someone, you realize we're all, we're all messy. Right. <laughs> Some of us just are very adamant about pretending we're not and and gosh we got to get yeah. rid of that yeah yeah and but the thing is it's like if we let go of the fear to do that if we allow ourselves to be exposed christ's grace shines so much brighter yeah there's again there's so much hope and freedom if we're just willing to sort of cross that fear barrier and just do it together as a community of believers. But again, I think we have to experience it first. And so yeah. I think for me, that's mm -hmm. on my heart is just, do we really understand? Do we really understand the radical love of God and what it means that Jesus paid for all of our sins, past, present, and future, and that his grace covers us? Like, I feel like if we really internalize that, it will spill out to others. And so I even think some of the political where I get tired and frustrated is, again, it's really easy to project outward when I think we're really trying to protect woundedness. You guys talked about this, our own woundedness, mm -hmm. right? We're like, yeah. I don't feel good about who I am before God, but those people are worse. And I really feel like that's his call in the church to sit with him and understand his grace because we can't give away anything we don't have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. But like you say, it's just safer and easier to look out uh, and much harder to look within. Uh, but it's an interesting time that I think because uh, God knew all this was coming. I mean, there's there's no surprise to him about covid and what's happening in many churches and um, this whole political fiasco and um it's no surprise to him yeah so just as we close guys what are some practical things you're doing to take this posture of eyes on jesus hearing him and then practically live it out as a christian walking through election season how do those two things intersect for you what are some practical things that are making a difference Oh man, my favorite thing right now is to ask myself, um, what if, what if having this position, what if fighting so hard for this particular policy, what happens if it comes true? Mm. What, am I prepared to, you know, sit in it with people and continue to serve them? Um, I, I often just think about the immediate 
task at hand and I don't consider what happens after. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm really trying to question the full impact of, of what certain policies or positions mean for people in our communities. Yeah, that's, that's that piece of slowing down, like you said, and asking God for the whole story and not just getting caught up in the political frenzy. I think that's really important. That's, uh, Krista, you've modeled that for me, and that's been a really um, perspective-shifting practice. Um, so something that I, I have also been engaging in, and, and I appreciate you um, modeling that for me. Uh, something else that I find myself doing right now, um, I'm having to do a lot of managing of uh, feelings about people. Um, feeling frustration or hurt or confusion. Um, and I find God is continuously reminding me that every single one of us um, is an image bearer of God. Every single one of us um, is, was created in the image of God. And what does that mean? Um, what does that mean for me in terms of how I care for people? What does that mean for me in terms of how I care for people who I don't really want to care for? Mm. What does it mean for me in terms of people who I feel mad at right now or uh, frustrated with? Um, and I, it's a, <laughs> it leads me into this place of, something that I've known for a long time, which is a, a really fundamental principle of doing really good research, which is don't assume you understand everything uh, as you think you understand it. You know, don't, don't assume you know the answers. Don't assume you know what's actually going on here. Yeah. And I then find myself opening my hands up to God and saying, um, okay, I don't understand this. I know that you called me to, um, to, to love others. And now I need you to show me the way to do that. I need you to show me how to be a non-anxious presence. I need you to show me, um, the, the story of Thomas saying to Jesus, how are we supposed to, <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, we'll know how to get there and where we're going. Like, we don't even know what you're talking about. You know, we don't know the way. And Jesus said, I am the way. Like that's, I'm, that uh, story is constantly sitting with me right now. He is the way. He knows the answers. Um, and I'm just called to walk in, in his way. And he will show me if I let him. Um, but I kind of have to get out of my own way. That's really good. And Lacey, actually, all uh, what you're saying kind of reminds me of, of my learning curve right now, which I guess the best way to say it is the older I get, the less I know. <laughs> I'm really trying to be more and more in a learner position with my hands open to say, I just don't have 
the answers to so many things like I used to in my 20s or 30s because this world is so complicated and so broken. And so it, it causes me to go to Jesus daily and say, help me see this through your eyes. I don't get it. I, you know, and it helps me to be open to listening to all kinds of people coming from all kinds of perspectives because I don't have the corner on, on it, I, you know, and, uh, but admitting that again, creates for me just a stronger dependency on the one who does. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. You know, mine goes along with that. You know, we were watching my family and I were watching the commentary after, after the debates last night. And as you flip channels, it's just so fascinating, the same clips, the same reality of what happened, but all these different perspectives on it, depending on which channel you're watching. And, you know, I'm, I'm 51. I keep lamenting. And maybe it wasn't like this when I was growing up, but my memory is you could watch the regular news and be like, okay, if they say something that isn't true, they're going to be in trouble, right? And now we have just a more commentary type news thing happening. And I find it really hard to find the truth, right? With, with a capital T. And so my prayer is where Jesus talks in, um, in John to his disciples and he's like during the last supper and he's saying to them, it's good for you that I go because I'm going to send the comforter. And this, he calls him the spirit of truth. And when he comes, he will lead you into all the truth. So that's my prayer is like, okay, to Denise, to your point, I don't have a handle on the truth, but God does. Like he sees mm -hmm. the big picture. He knows what's right and true and what's in line with his character and what's really happening. He sees true reality. And so I just keep praying for him to lead me into all the truth. And I do try to listen to all sides. And I, I think it's difficult right now because there's so much people will say, I read this on the internet, you know, and there's just all this swirling like we've talked about. And so my confidence isn't in a particular news source anymore, like maybe it would have been 40 years ago, but now it's like spirit come and, and lead us into all the truth. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my, my practical thing that I'm doing to try and discern how do I use my responsibility, like we're all talking about, to engage civic responsibility as well as to help equip the church to really step up. Because at the end of the day, I think that's what we're saying in this podcast is, we want to look to Jesus, and I, I just think to encourage Christians, yes, it's important to vote. Um, and the full truth is there's so much additional we can do as Christians, like really how this is really going to come to change in our country is if we start caring for the actual people impacted by unintended pregnancy and abortion. If you've listened to our podcast, you know that. But we're talking politics today because it's here and it's now, but our ultimate hope lies in what God's going to do through his people as we open up and, and care for other people. So that's all I have. Anybody have final last thoughts as we close out our first? We were scared about doing this because this is a tough, like, <laughs> you know, it's tough to, to talk about this, but I really feel like each one of you, you've challenged me, I've learned things and want to give you a chance to say any last comments before we close off. I think that the last thing that I would say is that it's really important for all of us, um, but especially for Christians, to just engage in the practice of 
finding some quiet and some solitude in every single day. Yeah. Um, we have to have a little bit of space to just be free of all of the distractions so that we can um, tune in to the voice of God. His presence is always with us, but we just aren't always aware of it. Yeah. And so um, those moments and being in, in quiet and being in solitude can be uncomfortable because we're just not used to it. But the more you do it, like any other sort of muscle that you exercise, it gets easier. Um, but it's really life-giving and can really help us to uh, let go of the things that feel so burdensome as we are basically exchanging those yokes, right? And yeah. and letting um, that voice of God actually like come into <laughs> our conscious awareness. Um, I, I just think that if if that's something that if if you're someone who is struggling right now with feeling the burden of all of this and the anxiety of it, that's something that um, can be a really meaningful practice to um, just to sort of reorient you away from the chaos into um, the just the the order of God. Yeah, and you know that's Jesus modeled that. And that's really profound. Oh, all the time. All <laughs> to, the time. To sit and think about he was God, but yet he oriented his life to communicating with his father and hearing his father. And it talks about the crowds pressing in on him so he got away from it all. And think about how relatively more simple his life would have been than what we're experiencing now, right, with technology and everything barraging us. So it's like if the Son of God had to do that, it's just a normal part of human experience. We all need that. Um, that's really good yeah, well, word, Lacey. He was God, but he was also human. And we tend to not let ourselves think about yeah. that aspect yeah. of him. So the fact that he withdrew into quiet pretty regularly, um, tells us a lot about how we can manage our own humanity because that's what he needed to do. Yeah. And we, um, you know, tend to not think of him in that way. Yep. Well, thanks, you guys. I'm actually feeling a little better. I'm feeling a little calmer this morning. So thanks for all your wisdom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah. Yeah, it's good. I, I just want to say I've rested all my points. And now I want to go have <laughs> breakfast. So <laughs> We rest our point. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope this encourages you as well to go out and have new types of conversation about abortion listening to God first and then listening to and valuing other people. Thanks so much for joining us.